Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Level Coaching with Rick Rass here. I'm very excited that you're here today, and I'm even more excited that you're ready to take your life to the next level. Welcome to part two of What's Holding You Back. Hopefully you listened to the first part as we covered quite a bit of material, talked a little bit about taking the initiative, how drama messes with teams, how planning is essential to success. We talked about TV, social media, eating up your time, and the challenge to create more content than you consume. You may remember that I finished the last podcast talking about the power of self-talk and how the tapes that play inside your head are so powerful. So many people talk themselves out of doing things that they're very capable of doing just by the tapes that play inside their head. If that's an issue for you and you want to get to that next level, you definitely have to deal with that obstacle, that roadblock. The list of potential obstacles is endless, and many of the things that I address are interrelated. It really boils down to two types of obstacles, those that you can control and those you have absolutely no control over. The circumstances of life are not the easiest to deal with at times. Life obviously throws us some curveballs, and you may have zero control over that, but you do have control over how you respond, and I'll touch on learning how to use setbacks as an opportunity to come back, and how to see those things we call mistakes in a positive realm instead of getting down on ourselves. Everyone makes mistakes, but there are two ways to respond. Some people drag those mistakes behind them like a visual ball and chains. They keep track of everything they do wrong. Other people are able to leave those things behind and move on very quickly without letting those things bring them down. Encountering obstacles is inevitable, but the key to taking your performance to the next level is recognizing and even anticipating those obstacles. Learn to recognize those little things that can hold you back or throw you off course. Many of those little things that throw you off course come in the form of excuses. I've said it before, the more you make excuses, the better you get at making them. First of all, I think it's important to be aware of the fact that many of the excuses that we use are directly related to negative self-talk. Maybe the most popular excuse, I don't have time. Really at the foundation of that is I don't believe that I'll stick with it with my schedule. Where there's a will, there is a way. Or how about, if you want something done, find the busiest person you know. I've had many people over the years in talking about working out or reaching other specific goals that they may have say to me that they don't have time. And then I'll typically say something to the effect, yeah, I know it's a little bit tough. I'm teaching. I'm working with so many teams during the week, working 80, 90 hours a week sometimes. And I could tell myself that I don't have time. They often get that, oh, busted look on their face and say, oh, maybe I do have time. If it truly is a priority, if you really are committed to doing something, you'll find the time. It's always interesting what people have time for when they say they don't have time. I recommend keeping a time log, not a food log for a diet, but a time log. What do you do with your day? In the podcast, Ticket to the Next Level, I talked about post-it and stick-it notes, It's a great idea just putting those around your house just to remind yourself of the things that you really like to do. And I feel like being reminded would be very helpful and just increase the likelihood that you would do what you really want to do. 
Following close behind the I don't have time excuse would probably be, I'm too tired. And I can relate to that. But I think most people would agree that when you work out, it energizes you. And when you're working out, studies show that you sleep better. So we know that there's such a benefit to working out and increasing your energy levels. If you ask somebody, how do you feel after a good workout? It's like, oh, I feel great. You get that type of response. It's just that transition time that oftentimes can be difficult. After work or school or in the morning, and it's tough to get up to work out. During the school year from November to the end of March, I've had the opportunity to do flat water freestyle kayaking in the pool in Foley where I teach from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the morning. So I usually get up at about 4.15 or 4.30 and try to sneak a workout in at Snap Fitness before I go there. And there are some mornings when maybe that alarm goes off or maybe I wake up before the alarm and I'm laying there thinking, oh, I'm so tired. But it's always when I get there and start that workout, how much better I feel. Starting is the hardest part. So just get yourself started And that momentum that you establish will carry you through your workout or another task that you're trying to accomplish, and you'll feel great after you're done. I think another excuse or roadblock would be the mindset that I can't do that or that's too hard. It makes me think of an experience I had with my son, Ty. We had the opportunity many years to go to Northeast Iowa and be part of the SYC, Special Youth Challenges, ministry. They provide hunting experience for physically challenged youth, and it's amazing ministry. We have some fantastic memories of some great turkey and deer hunts. One year, SYC's guest speaker was Matt Stutzman. Matt is known for his archery skills, but what's unique, Matt doesn't shoot like everybody else. He shoots with his feet. If you look him up on YouTube, you'll find him and see the amazing things he could do. But you look at the mentality of somebody like that, He's not saying, I can't do it. Just amazing what people can do when they put their minds to it and believe in themselves. If you've never seen the Crevier family in action, you'll have to check them out. Bruce and Diane Crevier, C-R-E-V-I-E-R. They have 12 kids and they travel around the world doing performances on unicycles and some amazing basketball tricks. They would be the first to tell you that it doesn't happen by accident. Lots and lots of hours of preparation and practice and a strong belief in themselves. With their talents that they have developed, they have created such a neat ministry where they can share a strong faith message and a challenge to people to bring their lives to that next level. If you're working on something or trying something that's difficult, how quick do you start thinking or saying, I can't do this or this is too hard? Don't let your mindset limit what you can do. Because as soon as those negative tapes start playing, your enthusiasm, determination, focus, intensity, they're gone. Oftentimes people say that they can't do something because they don't want to do it alone, like working out or some other project. However, if you want to do amazing things and accomplish your goals, you may not want to wait for somebody else. I recall years ago while in Indianapolis, I did a series of school assemblies for five days. After completing a program the last hour of school in a large high school, I stayed for an evening session to do the one-man volleyball show. Having retreated to the staff lounge to read for a while, I got up to take a stroll. While I was walking by the Coliseum-like gymnasium, I noticed one light on in the middle of the gym, so I peeked in. On the other end of the basketball court, someone was running the stadium steps. I stood in the doorway for several minutes and watched. 
sprinting up, coming down, sprinting up, coming down. I walked across the basketball court and met her as she came down the stairs. Her gray t-shirt was completely drenched and sweat was dripping from her chin and nose. I said, gosh, you're training hard. What are you working out for? Track, she replied. This was beginning of February. I mentioned that I was from Minnesota and asked her if they were already involved in the track and field season. She said, no, the season doesn't start until another month. I told her how impressed I was that she was training with this type of intensity all alone in the off-season. I was curious, so I asked, how do you do in track? She replied, I do okay. I could tell she was humble, so I pressed her a bit. Come on, tell me specifically how do you do? Only then did she say, well, last year I won the state in the 100 and 200 meter. This was a huge school in Indianapolis, like I mentioned. She was probably the fastest girl in Indiana. The first thought I had, gee, I wonder why. There she was, busting her butt in the off-season, training with that type of intensity all alone. Hard work? Yes. However, to her, probably not, because when you find somebody with the burning desire to take it to the next level, hard work doesn't seem like hard work. Get out there and do it. Have you ever heard anybody playing the blame game? Always blaming it on somebody else, something else, something's not fair, don't have the right equipment, having a negative attitude even when things could be worse. How about Jim Thorpe? Possibly one of the greatest athletes of all time. In 1912, he had his shoes ripped off in the morning of his Olympic track and field events. He found a mismatched pair of shoes in the garbage and ran in them to win two Olympic gold medals that day. It's real easy to make excuses, but you have to learn to make the best of every situation. Only then will you find out what you can do. Developing the right mindset and establishing productive habits and patterns in your life is a process in itself. Don't wait for things to happen. Make them happen. Sometimes it's a fight for establishing the priorities and compromise is a battleground. Don't make excuses. Do not rationalize and justify skipping something that is essential to achieving the next level. You have to be committed, and that commitment can't be based on feelings. It's real easy to think, oh, I don't feel like it. Take that phrase out of your vocabulary. So many people struggle with motivation in the training and practice environment because they believe the biggest lie in sports and miss the celebrate progress piece. If you're an athlete, I hope you aren't guilty of going through the motions in practice. If so, you are missing out big time. Not being engaged in the process holds way too many people back. You have to be looking for those details and making adjustments all the time. I'm not going to spend any more time on this since I dove into this during my third and fourth podcast. If you haven't listened to the podcast, The Biggest Lie in Sports and The Ticket to the Next Level, make sure you do. And if you have, listen again. Since I just mentioned athletes struggling with motivation, be careful about comparing yourself with other athletes and other teams. Often it just produces discouragement, and typically the reason someone is better is because they have put so much more time into what they are doing, or their practice habits are better as well. It could, however, be a positive thing if they are better than you, and it motivates you to get to their level. Also, remember two words go really well together— Watch and learn. If somebody is better than you, watch and learn. If you're involved in sports, just like in many areas of life, you're going to encounter setbacks, face adversity, get frustrated, and make mistakes. I've been to so many athletic events over the years. Sometimes I could care less who wins. 
I may have worked with both of the teams competing. What I'm entertained by is watching how athletes and teams respond collectively. Not so much when things are going well. It's easy to have a good attitude when things are going well. But what happens when things are not going so well? That is what sets so many teams apart. Can you maintain a high level of enthusiasm, determination, focus, and intensity despite the circumstances? Even the best athletes and teams have setbacks. But again, what sets them apart is that their determination doesn't go down, it goes up. They seem to be able to bring their focus, intensity, enthusiasm, and determination to another level. You can't go back and change the past, but changing your attitude can change the future. You're on the road to success when you come to grips with the fact that setbacks are only detours. Setbacks are just setbacks, not deal breakers. Make the most of every detour in your life. How do you respond? Our response, perspective, and attitude will affect those around us. Any coach would agree that one bad attitude can swing the whole team in the wrong direction. Many attitude problems are directly related to our response to frustration or setbacks, and much of that response comes from our self-talk. Nothing hard ever comes easy. How a team collectively responds to setbacks is so crucial. One of my favorite team challenges is the marble and tube challenge. Each athlete gets a tube about 1 inch in diameter and about 15 inches long and stands in a single file line starting at the baseline on the basketball court. With about 10 to 12 participants in each line, they try to get the marble to roll through their tubes without dropping it. There is tape at the end of each tube, but they aren't allowed to touch the tape. This prevents them from grabbing the crease between the tubes. The objective is to see how far they can get without dropping the marble. If the marble drops, the whole team has to start all over. The activity requires everything needed to be successful on the court, field, ice, etc. Communication, focus, leadership, patience, determination. I don't do this challenge with every team I work with, but I'd guess over the 18 years of doing this particular challenge, I've done it over 2,000 times, and I've only had two teams make the length of the basketball court and back without any drops. Fergus Falls girls hockey team, and the University of Minnesota Crookston football team. Otherwise, I could pretty much say the marble is going to drop. It isn't about how far you can go without any drops. It's all about how you respond when the marble does drop. Coaches can learn a lot about their athletes just by watching this activity. When some athletes have setbacks, their determination crumbles, along with their focus, intensity, and enthusiasm. A few years ago, a high school boys hockey team completely fell apart within five minutes of starting this challenge. Each time the marble dropped, they pointed fingers and blamed each other. Verbal exchanges were all negative. The challenge is always harder than everyone thinks. This team was overly concerned about getting to the end of the court, even though I always just say, see how far you can get. When I asked them how they were doing, is your level of enthusiasm going up? They're like, no. Is your level of determination going up? No. Focus? No. Intensity? No. They knew. I gave them a mandatory two-minute timeout to talk about what they would change and come up with a plan. Details and adjustments. The coach said afterwards that they respond the same way in games, but several weeks later he called me and said that they were able to refer back to that particular marble and tube challenge several times, and it really helped the guys learn to change their attitude. It all comes down to our attitude. Our attitude determines our altitude. 
If you're playing basketball and the other team is up by 15 points, three minutes into the game, is the game over? If you're playing baseball or softball and the other team scores five runs in the first inning, is the game over? If you're playing soccer, hockey, and the other team scores two goals in the first minute of the game, is the game over? When I ask teams these questions, I'm hoping for a resounding, no. Is the game over? No. But for many, it would be just because of how they respond to setbacks. The same applies for sports viewed as individual sports, and it isn't just about when you're in the competitive mode. What happens if you're struggling with some skills in practice? Does your determination go up or down? Over the years, I've worked with many dance teams in Minnesota. Cindy Clow, founder of Just for Kicks, has had me present several times at their summer camps with over 800 dancers at each camp, and the word spreads fast. I don't believe dance ever gets the credit it deserves. The athleticism, along with the synchronized movements, is incredible in their performances. Why am I bringing this up? Because to get to the level the best are at, I know they are doing parts of their performance over and over and over again. I actually just called Kelly McCarney out of curiosity. She's a coach of the Sartell, Minnesota high school dance team. They have won five consecutive state championships in high kick, and this year they pulled off the double as they also won the Jazz State Championship. I ask her, how many times do you think your team has run through segments of their performance or the whole performance? She said that the captains kept track this year of the number of times they ran through their entire performance, over 200 times during the season. Parts and segments, hundreds for sure, and likely into the thousands of times. Muscle memory. She described the process of videotaping and having athletes watch and having the discussion about doing something better. We can do better than that and how excited they would get when she told them that's it. She also brought up the Celebrate Progress piece, which I have touched on in sessions over the years with her athletes. In my mind, practice is like having many setbacks and constantly having the opportunity to learn from them. When your attitude is right, Your abilities will follow in the gym, at home, at work, and in the classroom. I've said it before, how you handle setbacks, adversity, and frustration is the key to success. How you respond to those situations you make mistakes can hold many people back. Mistakes alone can be the reason for some degree of frustration and result in setbacks. Mistakes are inevitable. Athletes respond differently to mistakes. The worst mistake you can make is being afraid to make one. Our perspective regarding mistakes is powerful. Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned two types of responses to mistakes. Number one, many people drag their mistakes behind them like dead weight, and it definitely affects their performance in practice and in the competitive setting. They get down on themselves. They feel bad, mad, sad feel like an idiot, they blew it, they feel embarrassed and hang their head. Oftentimes they learn absolutely nothing from the experience because they are so busy feeling like a loser. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. You never really lose if you learn. The second response is the ability to move on after a mistake. Jay Billis played for Coach K at Duke and is an ESPN commentator. In his book titled Toughness, he has a chapter called Next Play. I recommend the book, but in that chapter, he talks about training yourself to instantaneously let go of those mistakes and not dwell on what just happened, being able to move on. When observing an athletic event, 
You can just tell when an athlete isn't able to move on after a mistake by their facial expression and their body language. Don't let it happen, and if you see it happen with a teammate or recognize it within yourself, sometimes one word of encouragement or a phrase like, you got this, or I can do this, or that is history, can make a huge difference. Many teams miss out on the power of encouragement. I'd like to add a third response to mistakes. Moving on, but definitely making a mental note of what you need to work on. Coaches do that all the time, and they design practices utilizing that information. But athletes should take ownership of their own performance and do it as well. I do want to make one thing very clear. This isn't a negative thing with the right perspective. If we see mistakes as a negative thing, we tend to inhibit our ability to take our skills to the next level because it usually diminishes our enthusiasm, focus, intensity, and determination. Some people may feel that we should forget our mistakes, and I agree if their perspective is a negative one. The key factor is learning to utilize the information obtained from the experience. Coaches often tell me they don't feel like their athletes are listening, and they need to tell them a hundred times. With a proper perspective on the learning process and making mistakes, a coach's insights are priceless and more than welcome. It is unfortunate that many athletes have an I-don't-want-to-hear-it mentality when it comes to their coaches offering tips and insights regarding their performance or mistakes they may have made. We are more likely to excel when we view mistakes as golden nuggets instead of big red check marks. Mistakes are details that enable us to improve. Think of them as a gift. If someone gives you a gift, we are grateful, especially if it is something we can use. An athlete with a proper perspective is a treat for coaches to work with because they are so much more coachable. With freestyle kayaking, I love it when I find out what I'm doing wrong because I know if I make the necessary adjustments, it's only going to help me take it to the next level. The process may be frustrating, but when you establish patterns of positive self-talk, confidence isn't shattered, even if it takes a while to acquire the next level of performance. One of my favorite challenges I do with teams related to making mistakes and learning from them involves a big blue tarp about 10 by 12 feet. I use duct tape and put 36 boxes, 6 by 6 rows, all about 15 inches square. If you're a coach listening to this and want to use this, you can come up with your own pattern, but my pattern has 23 correct steps out of those 36 boxes in a sequence that the individuals in a group have to try to figure out and remember. On one tarp, I may have 10 to 15 athletes competing against each other for a free Take It to the Next Level t-shirt. One athlete stands in the starting corner box while the others stand on the outside observing. When they step on a box attempting to find the right sequence, the coach says yes or no. When they make a mistake, they go to the end of the line and observe as well. They can't help each other out at all. However, theoretically, they are helping each other out by watching. If they pay attention, they can learn from each other's mistakes and their successes. They definitely need to be focused to be successful on the tarp. I believe the lack of focus is a huge obstacle and holds many back. The greatest enemy of full engagement is multitasking. Watch where your mind drifts off to in practice. Train yourself to be 100% present. Even in the classroom, some people aren't smarter. They're just better listeners and retain so much more information. There are also applications in this activity to self-talk. Some talk themselves out of it before they even start or when they make some mistakes. 
On one occasion, I was working with a high school hockey team. About halfway through, I noticed that one of the captains was visibly upset with herself. The coaches had the key for the 23 steps, so I was able to pull Lindsay aside and check in with her. I can't do this. My memory's terrible, she said. Lindsay, you're talking yourself out of this. I chatted with her for a while, and she went back with a different frame of mind. She actually ended up being the first one to the end of the tarp. Learning from mistakes is an incredible asset if you learn to utilize the information gained from the experience. When I was training for volleyball, I was always looking for those things I would need to work on and drilling myself to become better and more consistent. Mistakes are like road signs on a road trip. Without constantly giving myself feedback on my own status with skills, progress would cease to exist. We have to look at what we are doing wrong with a critical eye and figure out how to do it better. A lot of athletes avoid things they are weak at. Do the opposite. Turn your weaknesses into strengths. In many of the ball sports, whoever controls the ball wins the game. I worked so much on ball control because I knew how important it was when I played by myself. I couldn't be satisfied with just getting the ball up. I strive for pinpoint accuracy while serving, passing, setting, and during attacks. I mentioned in my intro podcast that I had been accused several times of having a remote control volleyball, and I always considered it a big compliment. In my book, I talk about the different stages of learning. One of the stages of learning is conscious incompetence. Basically, it means that you become aware of something that you didn't know or aren't able to do. Instead of avoiding mistakes and finding out what you are doing wrong, you have to actively pursue and research what you could do better, figuring out what type of adjustments you should make. If you're not, you're missing out. It requires a commitment and a willingness to work hard physically and mentally. It's hard to believe that I'm already 26 minutes into this What's Holding You Back Part 2 podcast, and my intent has been to try to keep the podcast under 30 minutes. So you are going to get What's Holding You Back Part 3, and I promise it's going to be soon. These last couple of weeks, I've been taking every opportunity I can to get on the river. Seven minutes from my office, the Mississippi rocks when the water's at 20,000 cubic feet per second and above. It's the only whitewater in the whole continent on the Mississippi River, and it's awesome. So I've been trying to take it to the next level on the river. I appreciate you joining me today for this podcast, and I hope you take something from this that will help you take it to the next level. Recognizing obstacles is huge if you're going to go to that next level. I appreciate if you could spread the word about my podcast. Have an awesome day.